I don't. You can't see me shrugging. <laughs> but I am. Two podcasts from now, we might have a really good idea where the chase are. But then, the coup de grace. <laughs> We don't say coup de gras very often on this podcast. We don't. We just say it more often. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 280 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're wondering, why don't they just make the whole team out of Davis Schneiders? Uh, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as always, by the illustrious Joshua Hausam. Josh, how you doing today? Well, it's a Saturday of a long weekend where it's going to be really nice and hot. So I'm, I have no complaints. <laughs> this is where it's at, folks. Um, and where are the Blue Jays at? That's what we're going to review for you. So the left side of the infield is out. Um, we're going to talk about the injuries that took out those two guys and their their replacement sort of trio of Ernie Clement, Davis Schneider, and Kevin Biggio. Um, and the much more recently... Broken finger, Danny Jensen, and is he out? I would, I would assume he's out. Um, and his only fill in on the forty man roster, but it doesn't matter. Blue Jays are scoring runs, baby. Um, well, we will review the last uh, run through the starting rotation, which has some highlights and a maybe one low light. Um, sort of see where the Blue Jays stand as they claw for that last wild card spot. Um, and of course. Uh, there were a couple of uh, September additions to the roster because instead of adding a million people now, you get to add two. Um, and uh, then we got a do-over for uh, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. The Schneider were not as happy with John. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, left side of the infield is out is what happened basically right after uh, our last podcast, I think. We, we lost... Um, Matt Chapman had had finger issues for a few days, and he he was listed as sprained finger, I believe, on the uh, injured report. Yeah, sprained middle finger. <laughs> the jokes, <laughs> right? I mean, well, like, we're gonna get to another one. So it's like the 2023 season is alive and well, folks. But <laughs> yeah, I, he he sprained when he dropped a weight on it. Of all the dumb ways to get injured, <laughs> cutting chicken. Um. There's a deep cut for you, those of you who've been around since the beginning of this podcast. I still uh, prefer the drunk Glen Allen Hill. Probably drunk, I should say. I can't. It's not let, get accused of libel on this podcast. <laughs> Falling through a glass table and claiming he woke up with a nightmare of spiders and crashed the table. I definitely believe he just stumbled home drunk. But that's, you know. But hey, <laughs> smash table is a smash table, right? Uh, but I like it. It's much funnier as he woke up from a nightmare about spider, spiders and fell through a glass table. I mean, it's really unfortunate. He got a lot of cuts. But it's a funny injury story. Uh, and then uh, we have um, the best hitter on the team, Bo Bichette. Now he's no longer. Does he, when does he lose that title? I'm not sure. But but Bo Bichette uh, with a strained quad. Yeah, it's the same leg where he had the knee issue. So you know you wouldn't have to wonder whether that was he was putting extra strain on the quad because he was fearing his knee, or. If both injuries were connected, we don't know. We don't know anything about it, but the, the team said they were separate. So we have to take them on their word for that, absent other information. It's not a lie if they know the truth, of course. Yes, we've heard that somewhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it really sucks. I mean, he's he's back and doing baseball activities at the park, so it's a, there's a chance it could just be the minimum IL stay for him. But you know, he just came back 
and it's forced the Jays into some very interesting defensive alignment. So it's unfortunate. And the offense, despite the, the output recently, <laughs> isn't the same without Bo Bichette. Yeah, well, let's talk about that that defensive alignment. So they called up the actual shortstop, Mason McCoy, right? That's his natural position. Yep. But because Mason McCoy can't or doesn't hit, I'm presuming, they've tried, the, or John Schneider has run with the hotter hands at third and short in in ways I was not imagining seeing. Um, apparently, Ernie Clement who I, I couldn't find him at shortstop in the minors is a, is a, is a regular pick at shortstop now. You know, he, he is a shortstop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, that one is not crazy, but the one that, well, so we'll get to what led to this situation in our do over, but when the Jays were playing the nationals, the game that they lost, they pinch hit for Clement and he, and the replacement shortstop was, Kevin Biggio, who had played four <laughs> games there since college. Is this like the Russell Martin wants to play shortstop thing? Uh, maybe. Well, it sounds like it was. Schneider was saying that Biggio has been bugging him to do it. So I guess. <laughs> now we, we've established the biggest problem with Kevin Biggio defensively is his noodle arm at third base. Uh, he also doesn't really have the range to play short either in my estimation. He sure doesn't. I mean, there's a reason it was an emergency basis only, except Mason McCoy was still on the bench. <laughs> so, You mean the guy they called up to play shortstop? That guy? Right. They called up because they didn't have a shortstop. <laughs> That's the one. Um, yeah. It's it's very, it's all very, very silly. But... Ooh, sorry. Yawning. <laughs> we are not but recording it, at 8 in the morning, folks. I promise. Um, no. The other guy in this this weird uh, trio, of course, is Davis Schneider because the longer he plays, the more you have to get his bat in the lineup. Um, so Schneider has started at third as well. How has he looked? Actually, not bad. Um, he made a really good play against Colorado in the first game of the series, which we're recording right after it. Well, the morning after it. It's not even morning. I'm yawning. It's not even morning. It's 40. <laughs> I've been up for four hours. <laughs> no excuse. Time to go for a nap. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, he's been he's been playing really well, actually. He's been, you know, he hasn't had a, a lot of great, of hard plays to make at third, which, you know, that happens sometimes. But he's been getting the job done. And it really is confusing how he just, didn't play for so long yeah i mean you you look at the if if you were going to play the hot hand and he was called up for his his very good numbers at triple a is my understanding that's why david schneider is here because all year he had a you know hit for some power had a high ops and looked great and then he got to the bigs and he looked just like he never skipped a beat and his ops is still over a thousand uh and what was the there was over 1.35. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to remember what the stat was. Oh, he has a he had a 1379 OPS in 15 career games. The highest OPS by any MLB player over his 15 career games in the modern area if they got 40 plate appearances or more. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, what? How can you not play him at this point? Yeah, so he had a, a, a small rough patch that he hit after his opening series, which I guess is why. But... 
clearly the talent was there and the rest of the offense wasn't performing, right? It, it wasn't just like, oh, well, you know, rookie, who cares? It's like no one was hitting. Yeah. Um, now, I do get part of the issue was that to play Schneider when everyone was healthy, which you know didn't last for very long, but when <laughs> everyone was healthy, it meant sitting one of Merrifield, one of the outfielders, Chapman or Belt against a right-handed pitcher, which, you know, that's tougher to do. Now they're just going to have to find a way to do that because he's been hitting, he's been their best hitter. But they didn't even play him against all the lefties, and that was a little confusing. Yeah, well, again, because we have uh, we have the roster injury changes, now we have wall-to-wall David Schneider. Um, the other guy, though, with a, an OPS over 1,000 and a triple in the last game before our, our recording, Ernie Clement. I didn't see that coming for some reason. Yeah, it's funny. So he's he. This is his second time up with the team, or even third, and he's actually hit every single time. But it's kind of funny because this is a guy who, in his previous two seasons in the major leagues, had an OPS of six twenty three and then four fifty two, which sounds exactly like the no hit <laughs> infielder he was. But he has also destroyed AAA this year. Now, everybody's hitting in the International League this year because of the automated ball strike system. But he's hitting 339 with a 394 on base and a 533 slugging down there. So that's not all automated umpiring. Perhaps, you know, the changes that the Jays say they've made with him are taking hold. Sometimes guys find it. But at the same time, this is not you know, a guy with power suddenly discovering how to do everything else. I mean, Mason McCoy has more home runs in AAA this year than he had his entire minor league career otherwise. Which is wild. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what's going on, but ride the hot hand while it's there. Yeah. I mean, it. we have seen over the years so many times that the Blue Jays have called up a fill-in, and the fill-in has, has had an OPS around, you know, 600, somewhere in that neighborhood. And it's like, oh, I cannot wait for this guy to come back. Uh, it is a refreshing change to have guys that it's, it's you know, you got to figure out how to get them in the lineup if everybody gets healthy again. So, thumbs up. Um, yeah, and also, one of the things that this sort of begs the question, right? If they believe this much in Ernie Clement, then why does Santiago Espinal have 200 plate appearances <laughs> this year? <laughs> he hasn't been good at all, offensively or defensively. Biggio's had his hot streaks, so I get him getting at bats. Also, righty lefty thing. I have no problem with Biggio getting in there, especially because he still has the on base skill, right? But yeah, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, Biggio's track record uh, of of being, you know, having something in there is a lot longer than Santiago Espinal's for sure. Um, okay, so let's go to the other injury that is uh, even more recent, which is Danny Jansen has a fractured finger because. I, I know nobody, want, you know, regular viewer of the Jays is going to believe this, but he got hit on the hand by a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I mean, his swing leads him to being hit by baseballs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it sucks because, you know, a broken, again, another middle finger injury. It's like, it's really, like I said, it's really on the nose. Like the Jays are just giving the middle finger to the, to the team, to the fans this year. But, um, it's his throwing hand, too. So, yeah, Jan- Jansen missed five weeks or so when he broke his pinky. I think that was last year or 2021. I can't remember which year that was. 
And I would not be shocked if he's out for the entire rest of the regular season, which is obviously a big blow because he's one of their better power hitters. Yeah. Yeah, he had, uh, was it his 15th or 16th before he left the game? Uh, 17th. 17th last night before he got hit by a pitch. Um, so it'll be Tyler Heineman filling in. And, I mean, Heineman is obviously a step down. The only saving grace here is Alejandro Kirk appears to be starting to hit. Yeah, he's got a bunch of doubles lately, which is nice. I and mean, when he, Kirk's strength is when he's pulling the ball. He can go out to the opposite field. He did it, I think, against Garrett Cole. But when he's turning on those inside pitches and yanking them down the line, that's where his power is. And he's finally doing it. I mean, he's up to a 691 OPS, but considering where he was, <laughs> it's, it's certainly a huge step up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we can uh, we can hope that the catching situation is, uh, you know, is not a disaster. Um, yeah. If, if Kirk... Big- Comes to comes to where we thought he would be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of guys who filled in admirably, Heineman played nine games and he had a four fifty on base with a three seventy five slugging. I do not expect that to continue. Although the first couple of games are going to be at Coors, so if he gets in there, he might have a chance. But at least he's a, a capable defensive catcher, which you know, Varsho's not going to catch. So he's still the emergency catcher. He's always the third catcher. No matter how many catchers they have on the 40 man, he's the third catcher on the active roster. And so we're not going to see that happen. And with the rest of the offensive issues with all the guys, bench players playing the infield, I don't think it even makes that big a difference offensively. So we're going to see some Tyler Heineman and just going to have to hope that he can hold his own basically. Yeah. I mean, we're in the last what thirty games of the season, so um, it's it's not like you're, he's going to get two hundred plate appearances anyway. Um, but they might be critical plate appearances. So despite all of the things that we just talked about, which is uh, Matt Chapman, Kevin Biggio, and Danny Jansen, who are all power threats and and on base threats one way or another it, when they're hitting well, run scoring's kind of kind of up. It's like the most consistent they've been scoring runs all year. Yeah, their last five games, eight runs, seven runs, six runs, four runs, seven runs. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, two losses in there, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, and and that is because the pitching staff, as as I think we predicted for the probably the last month, is the pitching staff cannot continue to be perfect all of the time. Uh, they had been, and we gave them kudos, but there is no reason to believe that uh, every single Jose Barrios start <laughs> is going to be two runs or less. Or, um, you know, that Chris Bassett is not going to have that weird pendulum swing between giving up seven runs, which he has done, what, three times? Three, yeah. And shutting out the opponent for his entire, you know, six inning or longer stint, which he has done eight times? Yeah, which is two more than the next best in baseball. I don't, you can't see me shrugging, (laughs) (laughs) but I am like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. And then the bullpen has been a little leaky lately, which again, it's September and these guys have been worked to death. You know, Tim Mesa blew the save against Cleveland. Had his worst outing of the season. Probably Uh, Cabrera gave up his first run as a blue Jay with a three run Homer. He inherited two runners and let them both score against Colorado. The Jays ended up winning the game, which was nice, but uh, Jay Jackson imploded against. Was it against 
Cleveland against, in extras? against Cleveland in that same Mesa game in extra innings. Yeah, yeah I gave up four runs. Um, no, it has it hasn't been great pitching, which is unfortunate. The offense finally starts to do a little bit in the pitching. But again, this is what we said was probably going to happen, right? The pitching eventually is going to have some troubles. Uh, Barrio specifically, um, you know, he's in his last four outings, he uh, is so against the Cubs, he was four and a third, six runs, four earned. Against the Reds, he actually pitched really well. We had the he took the no hitter into the sixth, no runs allowed, although he walked four, which was weird. And then his last two starts were six innings, five runs each, both of them with two home runs allowed. And the home runs sunk him against Washington, and they sunk him against Baltimore. So well, and the Washington was he was cruising until two out <laughs> uh, in the uh, in the fifth, right? And then life comes at you fast sometimes. Yeah, he'd get up the two-run homer to um, to, to Carter Kaboom in the second inning, right? So, but other than that, I mean, it was just that. You know, Side the, note: the, great, great name for a power hitter. Yeah, it's actually Kaboom, but Kaboom is just a more fun way to say it. Um, he, yeah, he'd given up a, a bleeder hit and then the home run. It's like, okay, well, that happens. But then, yeah, that that fifth inning, it was just it. it like you said, life comes at you fast. He, he walked Lane Thomas, which was the bad thing. Two-out walk. And then he gave up a, a hard single and then the three-run homer on the first pitch to Cabo Ruiz. And, oh, my, my, actually, no, I think it might have, might have been the third pitch they had bad. But it was either way. It was a three-run homer. And, you know, that the game. They, they At that point, they I mean, they had reason. Again, this we're going to get to this do-over with the, with the nonsense base running or non-pinch running that happened in the eighth. And then Jays had the... Bases loaded with one out, or bases loaded with nobody out down two, and then second and third one out down one, and didn't score. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've seen this this team for over a hundred games now, and the, uh, you know, the statistically you should have scored there situations are far and wide, and that's still again we're hoping that that's finally changing which again for four four games with some multiple run score but yeah there's still missed opportunities and it feels like more missed opportunities than your average team because you look at a you look at a run expectancy table right with bases loaded and nobody out and that number is i believe above one if you're looking at your standard number of runs that score in that situation yeah i mean even in even yesterday's game which they scored 13 runs so i'm not complaining about the offense but earlier in the game they had second and third with the two three hitters coming up and one out and didn't score, which was Schneider and Vlad. And against, you know, Chris Flexen, who sucks in cores, right? It's like if yeah. there's a situation where you should score runs, that was the situation where you should score runs. But they didn't. And, you know, obviously, again, they ended up scoring 13. So I can't remotely complain about the offensive production in the game. But they still need to clean up those spots just a little bit. Yeah, because they, they ended up doing what they're supposed to do. Six for 13 with runners in scoring position at Coors. So on the on the overall, yes. But, yeah, low-hanging fruit uh, that, that gets left on the vine, so to speak, uh, is still probably going to come down to haunt them. Because as, as we've always said, like, there's been lots of games that are one decent at bat one one clutch 
uh, hit away from a win uh, that this team has watched go bye-bye. Um, Ryu, we, we didn't talk about. We kind of uh, skipped over him there. Ryu has been great. He with three first three outings, no runs allowed, then two runs each in his next two outings. Uh, Ryu still hasn't gone past five innings, which uh, I guess is okay. Is is that them, you know, coddling him a bit to make sure that they, you know, he doesn't strain anything, or is that just John well, Schneider? So technically, in the First first game, he gave up four runs in his first game. He pitched five innings and gave up three, and then they sent him back out for the six, and he gave up a home run to the first batter he faced. And then in that Cleveland start, he got injured, the first one. Right. Yeah. And then in the second one, he went into the sixth again, and the defense betrayed him against Cleveland. So he started the sixth inning, and it went single error, error. Hmm. Right, and it should have been yeah. it should have been single double play ground out to end the inning instead of single error error bases loaded nobody out. And then they brought in Yumi Garcia who hit the first batter then struck out the next three which was insane. So they've been willing to let him go into the sixth, but weird things have happened both times that's happened. Um, okay. And with the with the deep bullpen and you know with eight guys back there that they can afford to have him go five, especially after you know, like for example yesterday against Colorado. It's at Colorado, and Ryu relies on break of his pitches, <laughs> which, <laughs> which doesn't can be difficult at Colorado. Yeah. And Angel Hernandez was just awful with the zone. And Ryu's a guy, if you have a big zone, you want to ride Ryu. If it's a small zone, you want to short Ryu. If it's an Angel Hernandez zone, it's just too unpredictable, so you just go with the flamethrowers at that point. Apparently... Uh... Angel Hernandez missed 21 calls in that game. It was really bad. I, he was missing obvious strikes and obvious balls. I mean, some pitches that guys miss, the box makes them look more obvious than reality would say that they are. He missed some that nobody should miss. But anyway, back to Ryu. I mean, I mean, I was worried going into this to this Rocky start because he struggled in his career at Coors Field, even with the, when he was the ace for the Dodge or not the ace, an ace for the Dodgers, uh, just because of his style of pitching. It, it's not conducive to a place where the ball flies more. <laughs> you know, mm, it makes yeah. sense. Um, but he did the job. He gave up the two-run homer, which was the only damage. Um, and you know, like that's fine. Two earned runs over five against a, not a great offense, but in a park that has t traditionally caused him trouble. I'll take that every time. For sure. So, uh, the Jays uh, ended up losing the series in Baltimore as as we tailed off from our last uh, recording. Then they lost the Cleveland series at home, including, do you want to talk about the extra inning heartbreaker? Do you want to talk about a specific game in that series that gr ground your gears? Well, so the extra inning game, it was, it was just, it was just unfortunate. I mean, there were some odd decisions about who to pitch to in the extra innings, but in general, it's literally just like a game they should have won. And there was some weird bunting that happened in like the eighth and ninth, and not the tenth. And you know, Kevin Biggio bunting to the wrong side of the field when asked to bunt when no one wanted him to bunt in the first place, and then they threw out the runner at third. It was just bad baseball that made them lose that game against Cleveland. Um, but. At the same time, you know, the, the pitching just didn't get it done in that one. You know, Maisley giving up the runs and, you know, at some point, 
This is, that's all you can ask for is that your pitchers get the job done. 100%. Um, and then after losing the Cleveland series, which which really put them, what are they, two and a half or three and a half back at the end of that series? Uh, three and a half, they, yeah. They won the National Series, which, again, when they're playing a bunch of teams, four teams uh, in a row under 500 before they get to, to Texas, and, and some of them way under 500 coming up. Um, well, five of them, including Cleveland. But yeah. Sorry, five, yeah. Um, uh, you know, you would hope to win every series. I, honestly, of, that's not good enough. Well, not yeah. And now, now you have to sweep somebody uh, to make to make ground. Uh, you can't count on on the three teams in front of you or the two teams in front of you, basically, because Tampa Bay is six and a half up right now. Um, well, it's Seattle, losing. Houston, and Texas are the three teams in front of you, right? But one of them is going to win the division, right? Yeah, but you got to you want to you want to try to yeah. catch them all, right? You don't know which one's going <laughs> to yeah, which which one's going to win the division. Uh. Yeah, um, so the Jays are, you know, last night was the good night. The Jays won by scoring a crap ton of runs and watched all three of those teams ahead of them lose. Um, but it is, uh, it is a situation where counting on that, knowing that these teams are also, you know, good teams, you really have to beat up on the last place teams. Yeah, so they've got remaining against, you know, the bad teams. I'm not counting Boston and New York in this just yet. Um, even though New York is bad, <laughs> I still worry. New York called up all their prospects, and you never know what can happen when a team does that, right? Those guys yeah. could just go off and just turn the fortunes of the team around. They'll never make the playoffs, but they could be a tough team to play for those six games in September. But they have two more against Colorado, three against Oakland, and then three against Kansas City. In those eight games, to me, they've got to win seven or them, seven of them, maybe at, at fewest six. Yeah, and it, it, this is up till now. The Blue Jays have done an astounding job of what you're asking them to do, which they is have. beating up on teams that they should beat up on, and they've done a crap job against teams that they you know should be battling against, and that's why we're here out of a playoff yeah. spot instead of in a playoff spot. So the first thing they need to do is continue to do the thing they've done all season. Good luck. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they need to do better when it does come to uh, Texas, Boston, New York, and Tampa. Yeah, and they need to continue to do this thing when they've lost Bichette, Chapman, and Jansen. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. Um, and Chad Green made his debut is with the against the Rockies and just got shelled, and I, I, I don't care. Like That means nothing to me, pitching at Colorado. The, the only unfortunate bit is it caused Jordan Romano to have to warm up to throw five pitches to get one out and strike a guy out, which would have been nice to give Romano no. the night off. Not the end of the yeah. world, but, you know, every night off counts for Jordan. It does. Um, they did give they did give Bassett – or some Bassett. They did give Hicks a save opportunity against Washington to – so Romano did not pitch in the Washington series, which was nice. Oh, no, he did. Sorry, he pitched – no, he didn't. He did not pitch in the Washington series at all. So – at least he's got a bit of rest before this. Yeah. So should be okay. But yeah, so that Texas series, though, is, is shaping up as the one that's going to be the big one. They've got four games against Texas starting the 11th. And they're the team that's currently one and a half games ahead of the Blue Jays. They're in last place in the wild card. The Jays need to win the series. They can't split. Otherwise, Texas gets the tiebreaker. They have to win three out of four, pick up two games, and get the tiebreaker. So, you know... 
two podcasts from now, we might have a really good idea where the Jays are. <laughs> Uh, two podcasts from now. This is how we're keeping uh, we're keeping time now, folks. It's it's in podcasts. Would be funny if we did them more regularly, and then you could really keep, keep time that way. Um, yeah. So that is the weeks that was. Did we cover everything? Any any lowlights highlights? I no, I, I I I think that's it. Cool. That means that we could take a little breather. Uh, we're gonna come back. And um, we're going to dig deep into the mind of John Schneider. And what was it thinking? <laughs> we, oh, boy. Yeah, we might not get answers there. We'll be right back. And we're back. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that interlude. I know I did. Um, wow. Deep into the mind of John Schneider. That sounds impossible. But I think he may be uh, looking for a do-over. So we're going to give him the opportunity to get one like so. All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them, stananks. That could be worthy of a do-over. See, there you are. Like, it's not a mistake. We're not saying John Schneider made a mistake. Except probably you're about to tell me he did. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> so in the eighth inning of the Jays loss to Washington, they were down two. They had Merrifield on third and Kirk on second with one out. That would have been a good time to pinch run. But okay, they didn't want to do it then. I don't get it. Merrif then there was a wild pitch. That allowed Merrifield to score. Kirk got to third base with one out, and Varsho was sent up to pinch hit. And for some God knows whatever reason, Schneider did not pinch run for Kirk. Varsho hit a fly ball. Kirk thrown out of the plate to end the inning. Instead of being a 5-4 game, it was still 5-3. The Jays ended up losing 5-4. <laughs> not good. Now, who knows how that ninth inning plays out if that inning keeps going. Even so, you got to score the run. I thought the reason that they did not run for Kirk was because they needed Mason McCoy, who would have pinch run, to go in and play shortstop. Still not a great reason because it's the eighth inning. You got one more at bat. You got to score. But okay. Next inning rolls around. Kevin Biggio is playing short. Mason McCoy is still on the bench. <laughs> uh-huh. So the do-over is not for the stupidity of not sent, not pinch running because we don't do do-overs for manager decisions. No, it's for what he said afterwards for his justification for it. First, he says, the general rule is pinch running for the tying run and that a big spot could have come up for Kirk in the 11th. You got to get there first. Yep. Can't manage for an inning that might literally never happen. That's Right. Like, that's strike one. <laughs> and then he says, the odds of a medium-depth fly ball with an average-throwing outfielder and Kirk at third was probably last on my bingo card. How? How is a medium-fly ball with Dalton Varsho at the plate, who hits a lot of fly balls, and Kirk at third when he was standing at third, <laughs> and an average-throwing outfielder, all of their outfielders are average-throwing. <laughs> like, but also, how about a ground ball? Yeah. Right? I, I think yeah. Kirk gets thrown out on the ground ball, too. He does not score on a ground ball. How about when he was on second, a single? He's not scoring on a single. Like, 
the idea that this like that it was so unforeseeable that Kirk's lack of speed would cost them a run there is nonsense. Like it's just complete nonsense. Everybody was saying, why aren't they running for Kirk before it happened? But then the coup de grace. <laughs> We don't say coup de gras very often on this podcast. We don't. We just say it more often. <laughs> the, the next day was asked again about it because, of course, he was. <laughs> he says, if it was anyone but Kirk that got thrown out, it probably wouldn't have been as questioned. Yes, no, that's, sh- the, that's the point. It's <laughs> the whole point of the line of questioning. Needed there, yeah. <laughs> the whole point is it was Kirk, and everybody knows how slow he is. If he was Kirk or or Brandon Belt, people have said, "Why are they not running for him?" We wouldn't have questioned it if it was someone else because someone else is faster. Like what? No, Dosh. Like, God, it was just so stupid. You mean you could have avoided this situation somehow? And the fact that you didn't avoid the situation instead of another situation. <laughs> like, like I would have preferred if he just straight up said, look, I don't trust Mason McCoy to, to hit in that spot ever. Right? Yeah. I don't think, like, which would have would then been like, like Atkins, why the heck did you call it Mason McCoy instead of Spencer Horwitz, who could have provided offense off the bench and some hitting and, and, and like not horrible speed. Right. But, you know, that's a different question. But no, Schneider tried to defend it in the most ludicrous ways, which just made him look worse. If he just said, yeah, I know what I made a mistake, people would have been like, okay, and moved on. I feel like there's a, and I agree 100%, I feel like there is, there's a stigma in, in Major League Baseball until you're done managing of saying, hey, the game got ahead of me for a, couple, for a play there. I had, I had my mind on something else. Uh, you know, I had something else pictured and I missed it you know, won't happen again. Like it, it just doesn't happen. And there's, there's lots of times I've seen post retirement managers go game moves faster than you think it does in the dugout. I'm like, obviously that's why these stupid things happen uh, that are obvious to, you know, 50,000 fans watching in the stadium, but not to the manager and the bench coach who are sitting there, you know, humming over uh, something else about the lineup or the bullpen and, and you know, their heads just not in the right spot. It's okay to make a mistake. It happens. Yeah, players do all the time. <sighs> so yeah, uh, I, I think that's the do-over. I think if John Schneider, you like, just say, "Yeah, I screwed up." Yeah, just admit it. I I made a yeah. boo-boo. Lesson learned. <laughs> I guess that's the worry for me. Is like, okay, so you didn't learn why that was a big exactly. problem. You're gonna do right. it again. Crap. Right. <laughs> it's this. This would be like Buck Showalter defending not using Zach Britton, which he did. Right. It's like, oh, so this happens again. You won't do it. Right, Good. it's the same idea. Yeah. Like, if I don't know that you realize this is as bad, I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, as a, as a fan of the team, I'm worried you're going to still be managing the same way. Oh well, do over is overed, and <laughs> I, I I say to you, uh, sir, uh, that this would mean that we are rolling into the part where, if you would like, you could offer me a final thought. I have one. First off, it's, this is a sort of a longer thought, but I'd be embarrassed to be an Angels fan right now. I'd be so upset. They waived all the players they traded for at the deadline and Matt Moore on August 30th or 29th, I guess, technically. The reason not, the reason they did it was so that, well, <laughs> it's funny, they were trying to get under the luxury tax, but because no one claimed Gritchuk, they didn't make it. <laughs> 
That's pretty great. Should have bought themselves a little wiggle room in that equation rather than depending on everybody getting picked up. Right. So the Angels save some money, and then these players now get to go play in a pennant race, right? So theoretically, the players wouldn't be upset about this. And then the Yankees waved Harrison Bader. Same thing happened there. He, they, you know, still bad, but one player as opposed to six. The problem is baseball's system is not meant, not created to handle such an occurrence. Used to be there were waiver trades. Now that's gone. That's been gone since the last CBA. So what that means is that the baseball waiver setup is such that if you have the lowest record, you can claim as many players as you want. And there's no resetting of waiver order or anything like that because no one, because baseball is so bad at short-term thinking, long-term thinking, no one foresaw this problem happening. Of course it was going to happen. Teams like to save money when they can save money, and that shouldn't be a surprise to ownership. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, so... The very people who are trying to save that money. Right, exactly. Um, so what ended up happening was... Cleveland got Renato Lopez, Matt Moore, and Lucas Giolito, and Cincinnati got Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. I would have liked the Jays to get Bader or Renfro, but that's not the point. The point is that the NL wildcard and central races were dramatically impacted by a team just saying, here's our guys. And the AL central race, the, the Guardians are kind of out of it, but they're not completely. They've got a shot to try and catch the Twins. If I'm a Twins fan... Cubs fan, Brewers fan, or Diamondbacks fan specifically, I am livid that this was allowed to happen because they just got really good players for nothing. And baseball just let it happen. Like I, I, they, they have to make a change to that system so that this can't occur again next year because it will. Absolutely, it will happen again next year. Yeah, and I think the, the, the funny part about you know, the, no one could have predicted this, if, if that's what we're going to be told, is like, well, has anybody played fantasy baseball? I mean, I played like two seasons of fantasy baseball. I know that it, the idea of having a waiver wire where you get one pick off of the wire and then you got to go to the back of the line is not only intuitive, but necessary. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, you got to post them up and wave them in an order. You know, and then that order has to be adhered to when people are trying to make claims. It it seems pretty obvious. Yeah, so uh, it should just be like Cleveland, who of all the semi quasi contenders had the highest waiver priority because, really, I mean, they're five games out in the central. You know, like, <laughs> how good they can they be? Nail central, but it should be that they have to give a list. We want to claim these six guys or four guys or whatever in this order. If they get their first guy. Then they move to the back of the line, and then if it comes back to them and one of their next guys is still on there, they get that guy. Yeah. Like, that's such a simple, obvious way to do it. But because baseball didn't foresee something happening, the pennant races were dramatically impacted, so they better change it. Uh, yeah. You want, you want my random final thought? Yes, please. Pitch clock is staying where it is for next year. Um, I... As much as I, I don't like the pitch clock in principle, as a old school, haha baseball fan, uh, the effect it has had on the length of games uh, has been appreciable and has been nice. And I really don't think adding more time, which is what the players wanted, uh, I think that, that would be counter to the whole point of the pitch clock. So I'm all for just leave it where the heck it is and keep the game moving. Don't, don't fiddle with it. 
Uh, if, if it's there and it's working, good on it. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see studies just on well, what it's done to pitch your health, right? Because there have been a lot of injuries, but I don't know if it's more or less. I haven't looked, but I'd like to see when the season's over what kind of injuries happened and if they were any different. And if not, yeah, absolutely. They keep it the way it is. The only thing we lose really is, you know, we talk about the fun of the Blue Jays, right? They might be an, obje an objectively less fun team without Gurriel and Teoscar. I mean, they probably are <laughs> without those two guys. Nobody is nobody is making cocktails in the dugout, so right. I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> but also, we never get to go into the dugout with the camera because it moves too fast. So we lose some of the personality of the team. But I, that's not that's a minor gripe, right? I'd rather the game be quicker, but it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it has changed the game. It, it, putting a clock in baseball has absolutely changed the game. But I don't think adding five seconds to each, you know, no, won't change that at all. Is not going to change that, and so, no. yeah, it makes it's more either, sense to me to be where we are. Yeah, it's either have it or don't. There's no reason not to reason to add to it. Exactly. All right. Well, now that we've discussed all that stuff, uh, it turns out that you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski on cool, at Coolhead 2010. And this, uh, episode number 280 of Artificial Turf Wars. Uh, and we will talk at you next week. Mm -hmm.